Should I hit snooze? What am I going to wear today? What's for breakfast? Grande or venti? Are we there yet? What should I do today? Should I ask her out? What should I say? What car should I buy? How am I going to pay the electric bill? Do I have enough groceries to get through the... Am I good enough? What are they going to think? Why are things so hard? Can anyone really love me? Can Jesus really be the answer to every question? father and a son went out on a, on a fishing trip one summer day, and uh, while they were in the boat, the son got very curious and began asking his dad questions. And he said, Dad, how does the boat float? And his dad said, Son, I, I don't know. And a few minutes later, he looked at him and he said, Dad, how, how do fish breathe underwater? And again, the, the father answered and said, Son, I, I don't know. A few minutes later, right, he asked another question. He said, Dad, why is the sky blue? And the father once again answered, Son, I, I don't know. And then a little while after that, he said, Dad, do you mind that I keep asking you all of these questions? And the father said, of course not, son. The only way you're going to learn something is by asking questions, right? Uh, That may be a terrible joke, but I think there's some truth in what the father said, right? If we don't ask questions, we won't learn. In fact, asking questions is one of the the best ways for us to learn, and it's one of the, the best ways for teaching at times. And we know, right, we looked at this last week and what we're talking about in this series is that Jesus is the greatest teacher who's ever existed. That's why we talk about him uh, every single weekend. And no matter how good your third grade teacher was, and I'm sure she was fantastic, right? She's not as good a teacher as Jesus. And one of the greatest tools that Jesus used when he was teaching was asking questions. And so in this series, we're taking a look at questions that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago but questions that are still relevant in our lives today. And so last week we asked the question, who do you say I am? And we answered that question, right? And we said that this is the most important question we will ever answer in our lives. It is absolutely foundational to everything for us. Next week, we're going to answer the question, why do you worry? And the week after that, we're gonna answer the question, Uh, How much does it cost? Now that may sound like a a money talk that's happening. It's not, it's not. We're not even gonna talk about money. So you can come back in two weeks. You don't even need to to worry about that. But today we're gonna answer this question. Do you want to get well? See, and that sounds like a ridiculous question, doesn't it? Because you're probably thinking to yourself, if if I'm sick, right, then, then of course I wanna get well. Well, here's the truth. I know a lot of you, you're pretty sick, right? There's a, there's a lot of it because we all are, we all have stuff in our lives. We all have things, we all have issues, we all have habits, we all have hurts, we all have secrets. We have those things in our lives that we just can't shake. Because the truth is this, is if you could have already taken care of it, if you could have made it disappear, you would have made it disappear a long time ago. But no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you've worked at it, you can't change your life on your own. And so let's talk about your stuff for a minute. Maybe your stuff is is physical. In fact, the story that we're gonna take a look at in just a few minutes, it's about a guy who had some physical issues in his life. Maybe in your life, maybe it's a health issue or, or an illness thing. Maybe it's anywhere from a migraine to cancer. 
but something that is in your life that is just robbing you of your joy. Maybe it's a disability or maybe it's a limitation of some type. Do you, do you notice that we've actually stopped talking about ADD and, and ADHD? I, I think it's because we're just, it's just assumed that everybody has it now, right? That we, we don't even talk about it, which reminds me of the joke that how many, how many people with ADD does it take to screw in a light bulb? Want to go for a bike ride, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it just, it just happens quick. Some of you will get that in a few minutes and, and it will be funny um, when you do. And I apologize to those of you that have ADD, but actually I don't need to because you've already forgotten that I just said that. And so we can move on, right? Some of us have physical issues in our lives. For some of us, we have emotional issues. Maybe you've been hurt by someone, someone that abandoned you, someone that betrayed you, someone that has abused you. Maybe it was the loss of someone close to you, someone incredibly significant to you. Maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's a grudge, right? It's a hurt that you had. Somebody hurt you deeply and you just weren't able to forgive that person. And you obviously weren't able to forget and so you played it over and over and over again in your mind, and then it led to bitterness, and now it's turned into a grudge. Maybe it's lust, lust for something that you want. It might be good, it might be bad, but it's become this all-consuming desire in your life. Maybe it's greed or gossip or guilt. Maybe it's your past mistakes have turned into guilt and have turned into shame in your life. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a single issue. You don't want to be single. Or maybe you're single and you didn't have a choice in the situation. Maybe it's a marriage issue. You're feeling stress. You're feeling maybe some frustrations at times. It's way harder than you ever imagined that it would be. Maybe it's a kid issue and they are way harder than you ever imagined they would be, right? Like how can something so small create so much chaos in, in our lives? Maybe it's a parent issue. Maybe you're a teenager and you're just going through a tough season right now in your relationship with your parents. Maybe there's a separation or, or a divorce that has shaken your family. Maybe now you are your parents' caretakers. And there's this stuff in our lives, right? There's these issues, there's these things. Maybe it's a financial issue from overspending or, or debt or, or poor planning. Maybe it's a habit or an addiction. See, I think all of us, to some degree, have some kind of habit. We have some kind of addiction in our lives. It may not be a, a cocaine addiction or a sex addiction or a gambling addiction, but, but I love what Chris Hodges says. He says this, addiction is anything that I don't want to do, but I can't stop doing it. Right? Anything in my life that I don't want to do, but I, I just can't stop doing it. And so maybe you have an addiction to anger. Maybe it's television. Maybe it's work or, or sports, or maybe it's your phone, right? I've seen some of you. Some of you can't live without your phone, right? You're on it all the time. In fact, if Jesus were to call you on your phone, you'd be too busy to answer him with your phone, right? Like it's just in your hand all the time. You shower with one hand outside of the shower so you can keep it. I've seen people be baptized with their phones, right? Like sploosh, and they come up, selfie, right? Like they're just ready to go. Like I've seen some of you, it's attached, See, we all have something in our lives that if, we, if we're honest, right? If, we were, if we're honest, it, if it wasn't in our lives, our lives would be so much better. And we've tried to stop. And you've tried to fix it. And you've tried to change it on your own. But unfortunately, nothing has happened with that. And maybe it's led to a place where you've stopped trying. Maybe you've chosen to just ignore it. Or maybe even worse, you've just accepted it. This is just who I am. This is just what my life is going to be like? What is that thing in your life that you would say, my life would be so much better if that just wasn't, wasn't there? 
See, even Paul wrote about a struggle in his own life. In Romans chapter seven, verse 24, in the message, it says this, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? See, there's three lies about my stuff, right? Your stuff, our stuff, the stuff that we have in our lives. Three lies that I think we all tend to believe at times. First one is this, is that it becomes part of my identity. That my stuff, right, that, that what I do is, is who I am. It just defines me. That's a lie. Your identity is not in what you do. It's not found in that fear. It's not found in that habit or that illness, that addiction. That isn't who you are. Many of us are familiar with 12-step groups, and, and I, think, um, I think they can be very helpful. And, and if you are familiar with it, you know that one of the steps is, is to identify yourself with your stuff. And you may say something like, I haven't had a drink in 13 years, but I am an alcoholic. Again, I, I know it's helped a lot of people, but let me just say this. In, in the sight of God, you're not what you have done. You are, you are what God sees you as. And, and there's actually even more to it. You're not, only, you're not only just what God sees you as, but you are well, what God sees that you can become. You are the potential that he sees in your life. See, your stuff isn't who you are. Here's the second lie. When I try to quit but fail, I feel increasingly hopeless. Some of you, some of you came here today and you have something in your life. You haven't told anybody else about it, right? It's just a secret that you've been holding on to for a long, long time. No one else knows. And for a lot of us, we feel like there's just no hope, right? I just don't think I'm ever going to, to change, and you may even have taken some of the things that, that, that Pastor Mike talks about on the weekend, right? Like you've taken those things and you've put them into practice in your life and yet nothing is, is different as a result. Or you've gotten some great advice from your small group and, and you tried, but nothing has changed for you. And now you're just thinking it's just, it's just too late. Right? I'm just too far gone. There's too much water under the bridge, right? Like I just can't, I just can't change. I want you to know that it's never too late. See, I believe that God can do more in the latter part of your life, however many years that is left, then you messed up in the first part of your life, right? Like that, that God is, is that big, he is that great. If you're still breathing, it is not too late because we believe in a God that raises dead things back to life, which means that there's never a time when our lives are hopeless. Here's the third lie. I can ease the pain by feeding it. Some of us have found comfort in, in feeding our stuff by doing what feels good, by giving in that, to that temptation, by feeding that habit. So you're not easing it. What you're doing really is you're just, you're just masking it in your life, which leads to guilt and leads to shame. See, what I feed thrives, but what I starve dies in my life. See, on my own, I can do very little about my pain, but there's hope. There's hope. Look at the next verse that Paul said. Remember in, in verse 24, he said, is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Verse 25, he answers it. He says, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Can we just get real? Can we, can, we, can we just admit that we all have stuff in our lives? I remember hearing a story about a, a pastor that said a, a woman uh, called one day and said, Pastor, do you offer counseling at your church? And, and he said, yes, I do. He said, do you go to, to our church? And she said, no, I actually go to a different church just down the street. 
And the pastor said, can I ask you a question? Why, why don't you go to that church for counseling? And she said, well, I couldn't possibly let them know all of the stuff that I've got going on in my life, right? Like, and we tend to live that way. Let's stop doing that. Let's stop showing up and, and pretending that we're all good on the outside when we know on the inside, when we go home at night, when we are all alone, that we're all messed up and that we all have stuff. Can we do that? Well, here's how we do that. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to John chapter five. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screens or you can download our app as well. We have notes there. Um, John five, beginning at verse one says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Now, usually we give a little bit of background kind of to set it up, but this verse kind of has some background in it. So let's just talk about this for a second, because it's good to be able to picture the places that we're telling these true stories from, right? And so it says that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in John chapter four, we know that Jesus had an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. It's a pretty famous story. And as a result, her life is changed. And the, re the result is the, the lives of countless other people's lives are changed. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah, which really goes back to what we talked about last weekend. And then it says that he moves on and that he heals an, a, an official, a government official's son. And it's another very cool um, miracle. And so now Jesus literally is going up into the mountains to Jerusalem. And so he's literally climbing up, right? And, and it says that he's going for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, we don't know which festival it was, but we do know that there were three festivals that all Jewish men were required to attend. So it's probably one of those three. And it gives us an explanation as to why Jesus was going there. And it said that when he was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, now, Jerusalem, right, is surrounded by, by a giant wall. It's a fortified city. And, and obviously, to have a, a wall around your entire city, there needed to be gates, right? So people could come in and out. The gates were the places where a lot of business uh, transactions would happen. And this was the sheep gate, which is where the sheep were taken through for the sacrifices at the temple. Now, at the sheep gate, it says that there was a pool that was surrounded by five covered Colonnades. Now, recent excavations have um, revealed that there were actually two pools that were there, and they were surrounded by those five colonnades, this open structures with roofs that basically would provide some protection from the weather. Now, some people have asked, well, why five? Is that some kind of significant number? No, it's just a description reminding us that this is a, a real story that took place in a, in a real place. John 5, verse 3 says this, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and paralyzed. This became a, a collection site for people with all kinds of different needs, right? If you had a need, this is the place that you would go to. And there, while they were there, they would hope that they would find some sort of healing by the pools. We'll take a, talk about that just a little bit more in just a minute. Look at verse five. One who has, was there had been an invalid for 38 years years, 38 years. Can you even imagine that, right? In, in our instant culture, right? Like 38 seconds is pushing it, right? Like we can't wait for a hot pocket to cool down. We give like two blows and then molten lava like burns our mouths, right? And, and this guy has been in this situation and in this place for 38 years. Here's what happened 38 years ago. 
The year was 1980. Some of us remember that, right? It was Mount St. Helens erupted 38 years ago. The Rubik's Cube debuted 38 years ago. Anyone else want to admit that they never actually ever solved the Rubik's Cube? You just took the stickers off and moved them around. Yeah, let's get the secrets out, right? Like we all know none of us actually solved it. We just, yeah, we just did that. The, uh, this was the start 38 years ago, the start of the Iran-Iraq war. How much has that changed, right, in 38 years? CNN launched 38 years ago. Post-it notes debuted 38 years ago. The U.S. defeated the Soviet Union in hockey in what was later labeled the miracle on ice. Former Beatle uh, John Lennon was shot to death. Pac-Man was released. And the world tuned in for the answer to who shot J.R., Right? Like that's the stuff that happened 38 years ago. The average cost of a new house, $68,700. The cost for a gallon of gasoline was $1.19. The average cost for a new car, $7,200. And Apple released their very first iPhone. Check it out. We've got a picture of it. Fantastic, right? (laughs) That one might not be true, right? But the rest of it, the rest of it happened 38 years ago. A third of you weren't even alive, right? Like 38 years ago. Like this is, this is incredible when you imagine how long this man has been there in his sickness, hurting and in pain, waiting and, and hoping that maybe today's the day that something changes. Well, that day comes when all of a sudden something happened and everything changed in his life. Look at verse six. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in his condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? There's our question. And I get that it seems like a a crazy question, right? Like, what's the guy gonna say? No, Jesus, I just came for the view, right? Like, the Wi-Fi is really good here. That's why I hang out, right? Like, of course he wants to get well. Why would Jesus ask that kind of question? Well, the reality is that we all have issues in our lives, right? And and we don't all want to get well. So there's a lot of reasons why we get stuck in our lives. But Jesus did a few simple things that opened up the possibility for this man to get well, for there to be healing, for there to be change in his life. And he's done the exact same for us too. Look at this. The first thing is that it says that Jesus saw him. That Jesus saw him in, in this crowd of people In this crowd of people, all with different needs, Jesus saw an individual. And I want you to know that God sees you. Yeah, we're on a crowded planet, but he sees you and he sees your needs and you absolutely matter to him. Think about that just for, if if you were to take one minute every single day and just think about the fact that the God of all creation, the God that is in control of everything, the God that knows everything, the God that is present everywhere, right? That that God knows you and loves you. He sees everything that happens in your life. But not only does he see it, look at the second thing is it said that Jesus knew him, that he learned about how long he had been there that he knew all about his condition. See, Jesus not only sees you, but he knows you intimately. He knows everything about you. He knows every need. He knows every hurt. He knows every dream. He knows every hope that you have. Jesus' knowledge of this man and his knowledge of you proves that he is God. Here's the third thing. Third thing that Jesus did is he spoke to him. And Jesus asked him a simple question. But it wasn't just any question, right? I think it was one of the the greatest, one of the deepest questions that anyone may have to answer. Do you want to get well? We don't know why. In this whole crowd of people that are there, all with needs in their lives, we don't know why Jesus chose to go to this one man. I just think it's awesome. 
that he went at all, right? I, I imagine that there weren't too many other important people that were just hanging out by the pool that day. It's not like our pools, right, where you go and hang out like this. That's not what was happening here, which gives me so much hope for the needs and the hurts and the brokenness that I have in my life. See, God won't force himself on anyone. God has given us free will. Jesus has done everything to provide our healing spiritually. We get to choose whether we want that gift or not. So maybe this question isn't such a dumb question. So when you put yourself in, in his place, maybe it's just as relevant 2,000 years later as it was to that man who was sitting on that porch for 38 years in his need. Verse seven, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, you may have noticed in this that we actually skipped verse four. In your Bible, if you brought your Bible with you, if you look closely, you'll see that there is actually no verse four there. There's probably an asterisk or, or a letter that tells you to look down at the bottom. This is why you should bring your Bible, people, because you don't know if I'm telling you the truth or not, right? Like, you don't know, is there really no verse four? You don't know, because you didn't bring it. Maybe it says at the bottom how to get rich in three easy steps, and you're not gonna know. The, it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't think, you don't know, right? Because you didn't bring your Bible. But what it does say at the bottom is that there's a legend, right, that, that says that people were being healed by these waters. And, and here's what it says in verse four. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. Now, it's very doubtful that John actually wrote this, right? Because it isn't found in the earliest manuscripts that we have. But in later manuscripts where it is added, it's added in a way that's marked that shows that this was probably an addition. It was probably an addition that was added by the scribes to give us context to what was going on in this pool and in this verse. So they wrote it for people like us. Now, whether an angel actually showed up and then stirred up the waters Right? Or whether this was just a superstition to explain the, the natural movement of the water. Maybe it was just a spring-fed thing that, that every once in a while those waters would be disturbed. We don't know exactly what happened. But somehow the waters would be stirred up and, and people would be cured. And so that's why all these people, with all of these different needs, they've lined up there. They are waiting and they're hoping to be the one. Can you imagine this scene? Right? Instead of this becoming a place of compassion, it's become a place of, of competition. Instead of helping each other, they're racing each other to get into the water, to be the first one there. And you know that Jerusalem High School, right, was just down the road. And you know that there were students after school, they'd, they'd go find the big rocks and they'd hide behind the bushes, right? And they would, they would toss the rocks in there, right? Because then the water would get stirred up and people are diving in and other people are moving forward, right? And you know, you know that that would happen. You can see and imagine the hopelessness and the desperation of this place. And if that wasn't enough, this guy says that he can't get into the water because of his condition. Someone else would always get there before he did. And we discover that he had a few barriers in his life that were keeping him from experiencing his change in life. Barriers that we all face. The first was this, is he was alone. He had no one, no one in his life to help him into the water. And we don't know any more than that. We don't know if he literally had no family or friends. We, we don't know if his family or friends dropped him off in the morning and, and picked him up at the end of the day, right, to take him back home. We don't know if they had been there for the first like five years, like all day, every day, trying to help him. But it's been 38 
years. They had to move on with their lives. See, we don't know, but what we do know is that he's dealing with this all by himself. Second barrier is that he made excuses. And I'm not saying that, that his challenge wasn't real, but it's easy for challenges to turn into excuses in our lives, isn't it? See, we all make them. We know in that moment that they're excuses, that they're, that they're choices that we're making. And then we begin to justify them so that we can feel better about ourselves, so that it gives us a reason not to try. It helps us to avoid something that's difficult or to keep us from, from having to ask for help from people. Then it just becomes a reality. This is just what I do. This is just who I am. Reputations are formed and nicknames are given and, and loss begins to happen of family or friends or, or jobs or whatever it might be in our lives. And finally, we begin to isolate ourselves from everyone who's ever tried or wants to try to help. And then we stop trusting God. We stop trusting that God is big enough to do this in our lives or that he even cares anymore about us. Which leads to the third barrier. And it was this, is that he had his own solution. See, he chose to do things his own way. He had to be the first one to get into the water. He had faith, but his faith was all based around the fact of being the first one in. He had no other way for this to, to happen. And so every day, the constant thought in his mind was, I've got to be first. Can you imagine? Imagine the bitterness that would begin to set in as you watched other people beat you into the water or, or as, you, as you watched that others wouldn't help you the way that maybe they helped others. He was so focused on what he thought the solution was for his life that he couldn't see the solution that God had placed right in front of him in Jesus. See, it happens to all of us. We become so focused on our solution on what other people may say our solution is. And we get to the place where I say, the only way I'm gonna be happy is if this happens in my life. The only way that I'm gonna be healthy is, is if, if, if this changes. The only way that I'm gonna be satisfied is if I'm provided with this. The only way my marriage is going to be healed is if he or she starts to do fill in the blank. The only way I'm gonna fix my finances is with more. And we miss the solution that God has already placed in front of us which is Jesus. See, this man thought that all he needed was a, a quicker way to get into the pool. But what he really needed was to follow the command of, of Jesus. See, we often get so focused on the solution. We get so focused on our solution that we can't see God's solution. And so we become accustomed to this life of misery and this life of, of bitterness because our solution isn't working. And then we begin to wonder why God doesn't do the things that we want him to do. But God has something different. Let me ask you some follow-up questions. Is it possible that there are things in your life that you've just given up hope on? Are there areas in your life where you have isolated yourself from others? What are the excuses that you tend to hide behind? Are there areas in your life where you've decided to do it your way? How's all of that working for you? See, what I really love about this story is that it shows how God deals with, with human helplessness. See, we've all been paralyzed at times. But this man had faith. It was, it was in the wrong thing, but he had, he had faith, right? The question is, is what, is what is your issue and are you making excuses? Look at what it says in verse eight. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. See, sometimes when we're studying the life of Jesus, it's important to look at what Jesus did not do. Jesus didn't offer to help him into the pool here. 
Jesus didn't promise that, that someday if he just worked harder, right? If he just trained harder, if he wore uh, Nike sandals, right? If he had some air Jesuses, then he'd be able to, to get into the water faster, right? Like he, Jesus didn't say that he was gonna make him more comfortable where he was. And he didn't argue with him about his theological view of healing or, or the healthcare system or his, or his political views. Jesus is always simple and he's always clear. He said, get up and walk. So he said the question, how do you get well? What actually caused the change in this man's life? It happened when Jesus gave him three commands, three choices, three opportunities to respond. He said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And now he has the choice to put his faith in Jesus and to ditch the excuses in his life. See, he didn't even know Jesus' name. Earlier, he called him sir. Later on, if you keep reading this story, it says that he didn't even know who Jesus was. See, you don't have to have all of the answers to obey. He just simply followed Jesus' commands. By the way, it's not unlike Jesus to give us a, a totally, totally different option than anything that we could ever think is best. Which leads to this question that we get a lot. Is this something that can happen to anyone if they just have enough faith? And the answer is no. See, this man was healed because Jesus told him that he could be healed. Jesus chose to heal him. And then the man obeyed and did what he was told. I've known so many people with such incredible, incredible faith who have faithfully followed God in the things that he has asked them to do. And, and they weren't healed. Was it because they lacked faith? Absolutely not. It was because God was at work in, in a different way in their lives. I'll be the first to tell you that I don't understand all of that. But I'll also tell you that I'm okay with that. Because if I could understand God and God's ways, then he wouldn't be a very big God. And that's not a God worth worshiping, and that's not a God worth following. So what does this mean for us? See, you, you just do what Jesus asks you to do. See, what we have to remember is that in eternity, right, the, the vast future of our life, God, is, God has a different plan for us. It says that there will be no more suffering and there will be no more sadness and there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more sin. And so if God chooses to heal me now of the, the stuff that I have in my life, that is fantastic and I would love that. But if God doesn't, I know that one day he will and I can wait a few years for a perfect eternity. Let me give you three truths that require action in our lives. Here's the first one. First is that you just need to admit your need and ditch the excuses. After 38 years of sitting by this pool, it just became a way of life for him. He had no one to help him. He had no hope. He had become absolutely hopeless and all he had was excuses. Question is, is what is your need? Are you willing to own it? Stop pretending that your stuff isn't that big of a deal. Stop trying to deal with it on your own and ask for help from God and from other people around you. What are the excuses that you've been making? Ditch them, leave them aside. That's the first step. Here's the second, is that you accept Jesus as the answer. What do you do when things don't go the way that you want them to do? Or they just don't move as fast as you hoped that they would move, right? Do you, do you take matters into your own hands? So the reality for most of us is that we have a plan. We have what we think is the solution for our lives. The problem is, is that it's just not working. And when we put all of our faith into our solution, right, it causes us to take our eyes off of Jesus. 
See, whatever the problem is in your life, it really comes down to two things. Will you trust God to take care of that situation? And will you obey God and do the right things even if it doesn't make sense in your life? Will you trust God to take care of your situation, to be the answer? Will you trust that his plans and his ways are bigger and better than your ways, that he sees you and that he knows you and he's asking you that question. Do you want to get well? Chris Hodges said this, I'd rather have hope in an all-powerful God than certainty in a very limited me. Will you trust God to take care of you in your situation? Here's the second question, is it will you obey God and do the right thing even when it doesn't make sense? Even when it doesn't seem like it's the right thing, even when it may seem like it might actually be harder than the thing that you're, you're going through right now. See, I love when Jesus was hanging on the cross. One of the last things he said, not the very last thing, but one of the last things he said is he said, it is finished. What's interesting about that is that it actually, it actually wasn't finished, right? Not officially, but, but it was because Jesus knew what the end was. He was already looking to the outcome. See, and it didn't look good for Jesus. If you were a bystander, you were standing there, right? As he hung on that cross, bloody and, and beaten, onlookers would probably say that he looked defeated. And yet Jesus was on that cross and, and he said that he was about to win. That even though things didn't look good for him in that moment, Jesus knew that there was a better finish coming. Well, guess what? We live after it is finished. And so no matter how bad your current reality looks, there's a purpose for it and there is an end to it. And that end can be an eternity in perfection with no more stuff in our lives. Do you wanna get well? Simply you just need to let go and, and let God. Two weeks ago, Pastor Mike gave us an incredible message at the end of our hashtag amen series on prayer that talked about how to listen to God. Go back and listen to that again and begin to listen to God and then simply put into practice the things that he tells you to do, which means spending time in, in his word, right? Reading it and studying it and then living those things out. Here's the last thing. The last is this, it's assist others. See, I'd love for us to identify our pool of hurt. Who are the people that are hurting around you. See, a lot of us, a lot of us feel like oh, there's no one around me that's in pain, right? The, the, but the reality is, is that they are. It just doesn't look like it from the outside because we do an incredible job of masking it. They look like they've got it together on the outside, right? They, they're a part of everything and they've got a great car and a great home and, and it just seems like they've got their lives together, but they're, they're hurting on the inside because we all wear those masks. What if you were to use your hurts to help others? Whatever it is that you're going through, God can use that to help somebody else. You don't have to be finished with it to help somebody that's a little bit further behind you, that's not quite there yet, that could use your help, that you could use your encouragement, that could use your support. So I wish this story ended by this man going back to the pool and helping others. Maybe he did, we, we don't know. But how often when God shows up and turns things around in our lives, do we go back and help others who are dealing with those same things? Do you wanna get well? Imagine what that could look like in your life. And if we simply admitted our needs, if we were honest about it, and then we accepted that Jesus, Jesus is the answer. My way is never gonna get me to where I wanna go. If it was, I would have done it already. Jesus is the answer that I need. Will I lean in and will I trust him? Because when I do, that's where we'll find health and wholeness and security and peace and joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
God, for your incredible love for us. God, last week we looked at a question that really caused us to wrestle with who you are. But God, I, I, we're so grateful for that because if, if we don't know who you are, if we haven't put our trust in you, then none of the rest of this matters. God, we're so grateful that salvation is found in you through what you did for us, Jesus, on that cross, through your death and resurrection, when we put our faith in you, that we are forgiven we're set free that we enjoy a relationship with you. But God, if that is more than enough. But God, you didn't stop there. You moved on to ask us, do we want to get well in our lives? Do we want to get to a place where we stop carrying around this stuff, this baggage, these hurts, these habits, these things that hold us back, that feel like anchors that we're just dragging around? And Jesus, we thank you that 2,000 years ago, you asked this man this question. And you gave us an example of what you can do in someone's life. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't even know who you were, but he did what you said. And God, you changed everything for him. Father, may we admit our needs and may we accept that you are the answer in our lives. And God, will you set us free and do what only you can do? Jesus, be our solution, be our answer. We love you. We thank you and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of the great things God is doing in and through your life. If you would like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download our app to find ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus.